Welcome to the Climate Workshop Podcast. I'm Tim DeChristopher, and we are working through the challenges of the climate crisis from the uncharted to the unthinkable. Rolling. I'm here today down in Harrisonburg, Virginia, at a little place called Vine and Fig, which is part of the new community project. And, and I'm here with Jonathan McRae, who has been a part of this project for a long time. Jonathan, thanks for joining me on the Climate Workshop podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me here. Yeah, and you were telling me the other day when we were walking around that uh, you work both in land restoration efforts and in restorative justice efforts, um, and that you see those two things as, as really linked and, and kind of part of the same project. That, that really resonated deeply with me because, you know, I spent a couple years in the prison system and I've also been working on, on climate change issues for a long time and, and it's something that, that I've really never been able to articulate but I've felt that there is this strong link between that system of mass incarceration and, and that system of extraction that is driving climate change. Um, so where, where do you see that link between those two? Well, I'll just say like I'm a, I consider myself a farmer and a facilitator. Like that's what I feel called to do. And in many ways, they're, they're both kind of the same work. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm trying to make as easy as possible the flow of energy to grow good things, whether that's photosynthesis or conflict as a form of energy that, that can be uh, healing or destructive, but depending on the processes that are there to shape it. And I think restorative justice as a, um, there's so many different ways to understand it, but at least for me, I'm, coming more to to experience it as a as a way of living and being in relationship that takes seriously the needs of things who's you know who's been hurt here and what are their needs whose obligation is it to meet those needs and what is the process that we participate in to make these relationships as right as possible and that that applies to to social relationships but when i look at this stream that we're sitting next to black's run i also see hurt and wound and injustice here to the land and uh, to the history of this place and uh, restorative justice tends to needs by um, by allowing things to be themselves and express themselves and make these relationships as right as possible yeah yeah and as you said we're, we're sitting here right along Black's Run in this little little piece of property yeah. that you know it's not it's not super big um, but it, it looks like it's it's kind of restoring itself to a natural state in some ways as people are living here as well so can you tell us a little bit about this piece of land about this this region and and the stream that's flowing through here yeah i i love this place like i think what i do is like out of a love for this place now and the vine and fig is kind of the name of of this um and in ways like a land trust, this collective, that's three houses and maybe an acre and a half or two all together in this urban neighborhood that's historically been known as the wasteland. And we're right on the edge of, of the northeast neighborhood, which is the historically segregated part of town that started as its own distinct township formed by, um, by people who were escaping enslavement and those who who had been raised free uh, folks of color who started this town called Newtown that was incorporated into Harrisonburg in the 1890s I think and then 
this project called R4, which was part of the urban redevelopment of the U.S. government, designated this neighborhood a slum in order to use eminent domain to force mm. families out and, uh, and buy land very cheaply. This is, this is all happening. The, the corporate poultry industries that we can smell from here are very nearby. Um, and the stream, Black Run, has been one of the 10 most polluted streams in Virginia for a long time. I'm not sure what the designation is now, but there's this bed full of, of phosphorus and nitrogen and, and sediment, um, too much sediment in the stream. Um, and then just a constricted, almost claustrophobic stream, all the houses that have been built up right on the side where the natural flooding can't express itself without causing more harm. Um, there's a form of trauma that I think this stream and this neighborhood has experienced. Um, and yet there's still beautiful things growing. We're looking like there's a red maple here, mulberry trees, walnuts still growing. I've found snapping turtles in the stream here, like they're coming back and, and persisting, persevering. And so vine and fig, like I, I don't officially work with vine and fig anymore, although I'm like here on this land, what I'm doing is called Blackstrand Forest Farm. Um, and but vine and fig, I was a founding member of helping establish this place, which has a mission to cultivate and celebrate works of mercy and social justice and ecological health, to build a society in which it's easier to be good, uh, that the energy is flowing in ways that make it hard to be good. Um, and that's looked like this education demonstration center that we're in the midst of here for like sustainable and just living. And then a supportive home for friends who have often been um, excluded and beat up and locked out and locked up and um, coming out of forms of homelessness and various addictions and, and abusive relationships and finding a safe and healing place to be themselves um, and support one another. And then kind of a project incubator to hatch similar efforts throughout the city so it's not this weird funky anaerobic commune mm. but like things are flowing through here well um, and so yeah I was helping like establish these gardens and design them I was also helping um, craft uh, conflict and decision-making processes for uh, for the structure here um, and facilitating those for quite a while and now we're looking at, you know along the stream I can see the elderberries and the the dogwoods and the, the pawpaws and there's hazelnuts that we're planting along this stream in order to restore it but also to grow food and fuel and medicine and mulch um, and beauty in this place yeah yeah and you said it used to be called the wasteland yeah you know and and in and in my work of you know reading a lot and talking to people a lot about climate change you know when people are looking at at the future that we're heading towards the word wasteland gets thrown around a yeah. lot you know people people say oh well you know once we're past two degrees climate change we're just looking at mm. at a wasteland in in large regions of the planet mm. um and and you know there's certainly catastrophic mm. impacts that, that are heading our way um but but i think the work that you guys are doing here kind of calls into question that notion of of wasteland mm -hmm. and if it's if it's ever really accurate you know and and our and our use of the the concept of waste in general that mm -hmm. um that there's this stuff that that doesn't seem economically productive to us within the system that we have right now and so therefore it must be it must be waste whether that's land that that has been degraded by our industrial processes mm -hmm. um or or you know so much of the compost that is 
that is considered waste and, and thrown away and, and loses its productive value, or even when applied to people. I mean, in the, in the lexicon of, of racial epitaphs, you know, we talk about white trash, mm-hmm. you know, and, and mm-hmm. it seems to me that to, to label a person as white trash is, is like labeling a piece of property wasteland. Yeah. Um, Waste or weeds or like whatever we don't know what its beauty and, and gifts and skills are. We call it a waste. We call it weed, you know. And yeah, I, I, my friend Cornelius France and I are the ones who are caretakers of this forest farm and the plantings and doing uh, doing various things through uh, through Blackstone Forest Farm. We, we briefly consider calling it Wasteland Forest Farm just for the, mm-hmm. the fun of the name and like the irony. But I'm not sure how everybody in the neighborhood would feel about you know labeling it that because it it feels very differently if for years you've lived in the neighborhood where that's been the name. Um, mm-hmm. But waste is this weird industrial fabricated notion where ecologically speaking, there's no such thing as waste. Like mm-hmm. everything feeds into and is a gift for something else. And from monoculture to mass incarceration, one of the logics behind both of these systems, both these ways of thinking is that there's waste, there are pests that we need to get rid of that can be relegated or exterminated or whatever. And so the industrial logic of behind agriculture and incarceration are are very much the same. They're very mm-hmm. similar. And so restorative justice, um, as a response, as a as an alternative, as a fully distinct way of of honoring and um, and reclaiming life, uh, I think addresses both of those systems mm-hmm. within itself. Like this agroforestry is a way of talking about the planting of trees and agricultural systems but this still feels like restorative justice to me yeah putting those elderberries in the ground and and those pawpaws and bringing the goats through to eat the honeysuckle and the the mulberries that we have along the stream like and then we like have relationships with folks who are coming through the uh, the court system like this is a community service site so folks who the court deems they can like work this work off their sentence through community service can come here and then we we work and play and eat and have meaningful conversations where people's emotional lives and their thoughts are valued and taken seriously Mm -hmm. um and on one end that's understood as punishment but here we're gonna we're gonna say this isn't punishing this is the, the whole point of this is to move towards healing um and we're uh we're teaming up with the Zare Institute for Restorative Justice, which is here in town, to um, to offer a anti-racism training focused on food and land, using restorative justice as a way to understand the history of white supremacy and colonization and the impacts of that on the land, the way that those forces have have damaged the land and therefore our relationship to it and to each other. And, um, and all that's all that's happening here in this so-called wasteland. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a that's an exciting process, and I keep hearing you use the word word healing. Mm-hmm. You know, and it it seems like both both your land restoration work and the and the restor- restorative justice work has sort of an insistence that that the that at the point where society is labeling something as waste. That that's not the end of the story. Mm. That the damage has been done, but that, but that, that that is not a linear process with with just an end. That um, that that history continues on, and that and yeah. that there's the possibility of healing. 
Um, yeah, waste assumes a straight line. And yeah. Life moves in cycles. Right. And trauma, like he- trauma and healing, and um, yeah, there's a, the the fractal pattern repeats itself at so many scales, and like there's a there's a a cyclic nature to healing. Um, moving towards wholeness. I mean, the, the origins of that that word of wholeness and integrity like things being integrated when when the membership is working well together like that's what health is and i'm i i feel like this place we're trying to socially and ecologically remediate the toxins that are making it hard to heal the institutions and systems that make it hard to heal we need other structures and relationships where healing is the is the goal is both the means and the ends like we're not going to get to healing by punishment and by exclusion and by locking people up and by uh tearing down forests to plant corn whatever it is like mm-hmm. we're gonna move towards healing when all the things that are in relationship to one or one another can express themselves have autonomy to be themselves and are in relationship and in connection mm-hmm. um, and, and you said that the things move in cycles mm-hmm. and and it's and it's easy for me to see that especially in a place like this on on a small scale on on a plot of land like this or in relationship to a person or or a few people who may have hurt each other and and need healing there but when when we look at the climate crisis where the cycles themselves is exactly what's being thrown off yeah right um and and we're we're driving whole systems out of those patterns of cycles that that have been going on for so long do you do you see a pathway of healing there yeah i see it i don't know if it's going to work but like i see what we need i see good work here that needs to be done and that's about what i know to do you know mm-hmm. i think the the you were mentioning like we see the wasteland ahead of us and I, I see that. I see the wastelands happening now, the mm-hmm. ones that we're creating and the ones that we're allowing to, to be shaped. And, but it's, with complex systems, it's hard to predict exactly what's going to happen. We can get really caught up in predicting all the terrible scenarios that will happen. Mm-hmm. And following some of Wendell Berry's lead, he uses the language of provision instead of prediction. Like, we're provisioning. We know that like, if there are bad things happening, the good work to do right now is to stop doing the bad things and to stop, yeah. start doing we need to start stopping those bad things start and, stopping the bad things and you know one of the first right things to do is to know our history yeah. so that we can prevent the the ills and the evils of yesterday from infecting tomorrow and we start doing that today and we we make right these relationships and i'm not uh i think that's going to look differently in different places uh different scales as well but I know one of the things the stream needs is more diverse plants, and I know one thing that we need is for white people to remediate these toxins of that we have within our souls and society and soil that that are very much similar, and uh, and to do that healing work, and um, that that means doing the work of like the hands on the land and the heart, the emotions and our our heads, and thinking through these things that these are this is an integrated work, and I look to examples of La Via Campesina, the peasant movement mm-hmm. worldwide. I look to the examples of the Movement for Black Lives platform that has recommendations for what we do on a broader scale. Or my friends at Soulfire Farm in New York who have put together this incredible reparations map for um, farmers of color who 
need their projects funded and like there are ways to go do that and they also have an incredible action plan for food justice and food sovereignty from the personal to the social to the political levels mm-hmm. um, like I look at those like there are there are ways to do this healing work now but I can't predict where it will go but I I have this sense that it's what needs to be done now yeah yeah and it looks like you're doing I mean you're talking about remediating it remediating the toxins in this stream and and more diverse plant life and i see the saplings right here that that you were just planting the the willow and the the dogwood that you're planting here can you talk a little bit about that yeah yeah i was cutting up uh cornelius and a a friend brett where we were cutting up uh, dogwood and willow uh, cuttings putting them into smaller stakes so we can put in the ground and yeah as i mentioned like i see this uh ship mast black locust um which will be great nitrogen fixer and firewood and the leaves are great fodder for animals and I'm seeing the red osier dogwood planted here and I'm seeing uh, the mulberry tree behind me, uh, hazelnuts and pawpaws and, and we have a nursery. Part of what we're doing is to propagate these plants to spread this goodness through giving, through selling, through trading, like multiple different ways of, of getting these beautiful photosynthetic creatures <laughs> out, mm-hmm. into, out into the world. and. Um, bringing in more diversity here and we're you know taking out some of these so-called weeds that all have their own names and actually give thanking them for putting carbon in the ground while they've been growing but now we're going to bring in some others to come alongside them so we can have more diversity here and, um, black raspberries up here that are planted and most of these plants are well adapted to having their feet wet but they're also growing food and medicine and mm. mulch and firewood and fodder for animals and um trying to feel like chestnuts we got chestnuts allegheny chinkapin which is a dwarf variety of chestnut that we're growing um i'm just yeah getting really excited about all the trees that are going to be around here <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but i mean as as you're listing those i mean it it strikes me that it's that it's similar to the list of of efforts that you were just talking about mm. with with the the platform of black lives matter and and the reparation strategies of soul fire farm you know that these that these are little things, little steps that can be taken that that then interplay with the whole system that they're a part of and, and that those roots can spread uh, in the same way that, that these trees are doing here in this ecosystem. Absolutely. Like the roots are connected underground through these incredible networks and sharing nutrients and water and information. And how do, how do we do that with each other, with our mm. communities, where we don't all have to be filling the same niche? We're not all doing the same things, but we can... We need to feed each other and support each other and uh, through these cycles and um, and that you know planting these trees is crucial and having the conversations while we're planting the trees is crucial mm. like these healing conversations where people are respected and I like listen to in ways that maybe we haven't been before and then having the we, we've had trainings here we did a two-day plant propagation course in March we're going to do a three-day nut and fruit school focused on bringing a, a friend uh, orchardist in West Virginia named Bill Whipple who's going to teach uh, how to identify and harvest all the abundant native nuts that we have mm. um, like if we're going to resist the fossil fuel economy and the economies of extraction and waste and enslavement we also have to have the other economy the other livelihood mm-hmm. where people can find another way to be supported so let's let's look around like what's here these incredible nuts we can make hickory oil and we can make acorn flour chestnut flour mm-hmm. um, and 
I mean, there's just so many, so many ways to go with that. All the, the, the waste conversation, again, we took out all these, you know, so-called invasive species, um, plants that maybe we don't want as much of them here, the honeysuckle and, and Siberian elm and stuff like that. We made biochar with it. We burned it and preserved the, the char, which is an incredible carbon source. Mm -hmm and then charge it with compost tea and other things to put in our planting holes and to put in our potting mixes and stuff like that. Um, everything is just going to feed into something else and then hold these trainings on how do we resist racism and heal land because mm -hmm. these are not separate conversations. These deeply go together. They are the same conversation and we can have them at the same time. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you having that conversation here and 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 for the the steps that you're taking to to restore people in place here yeah thanks and, and thanks for joining us on the the climate workshop podcast thanks for having me i really appreciate it yeah. our music is by our friend colleague and favorite troubadour brian k hall you can find us online at climateworkshop.org and on facebook and twitter at climate workshop Climate Workshop Podcast is made possible by our listener community. That's right, no sponsors, just you, me, and Tim. You can go to climateworkshop.org and click become a patron. We're in this together, so we appreciate your support. See a light that flickers is a light that still burns on. A light that flickers is a light that still burns on. I take care of the spark, but baby, won't you lend your pretty little palm just to shoot it from the wind? And honey, baby, maybe this light will be burning long. Ooh.